1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
0: Rusty Quill Presents Hey everyone, Alexi Talander here. I just wanted to take a moment to talk to you about Radio Public. It's a free podcast listening app like Podcast Addict, Podbean, or any of the others you use to get your podcast fixed, but with one big difference— They're actually paying podcasts per each episode listened to. Not a lot, but cumulatively, it all adds up. So I'm asking a favor of you. Just give Radio Public a try. I've been using it, and it works just as good as any other podcast app I've used before. Plus, you get this warm, fuzzy feeling knowing that while you're listening to your favorite podcast that you can't get enough of, (coughs) like Ostium, (coughs) you're also supporting them. So again, I'm just asking this one favor. Give Radio Public a try. Thanks. Now, let's get this episode started.
1: The ends justify the means. Isn't that the same? Whatever it takes. Sacrifices have to be made. You win some, you lose some. It'll turn out all right in the end. No pain, no gain. You have to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. This language has a ridiculous amount of phrases for vague things that don't seem to mean shit when you say them. But when you think about them, when you get to the root of it, to the heart of the matter, to the center of the storm, see? There I go again, nothing concrete, nothing real. But sometimes it's really hard to describe something. Be exact, specific, distinct, get it right, convey meaning. Not spouting vague, nothing words that don't actually tell you what the fuck is actually happening. <sighs> Ahem. Sometimes, you've got to do what it takes. God damn it. Why can't I just say what I mean? Because... Because I don't want to mean what I say. And there I go again. I feel like I'm stuck in the Groundhog Day episode of a bad sci-fi show. Or is that siffy? Every time I see it, that's the way I hear it. It's hard to talk about (laughs) in every sense of the word, I guess. Jake will have his way, his words, his feelings, his emotions, his thoughts, his urges. I'll let him tell it his
2: way. Sleep is starting to happen a little better for me. The nightmares are starting to fade into the hazy blackness like forgotten ghosts. Why did I say that? Why did I say it that way? As a human being who considers himself pretty fluent in the English language and taking into account its simply vast vocabulary, why did I choose those particular words? Paging Dr. Freud. I think I might have some unresolved issues with something called the blackness, and or ghosts. Anyway, for now they're just uncomfortable and disconcerting dreams. But the important point to all this is that I'm getting more sleep and feeling a little more connected with the real world, even if Ostium physically isn't. Monica wasn't by my side shaking me awake from night sweats and somnolent terrors. And while I'm never against her being by my side for just about any occasion, this particular one is less than ideal. I know it's perfectly natural, or psychological rather, what I'm going through, and having never done therapy before, even though there are probably many who say I should have after the death of my parents, or experienced a severe trauma event, again, other than the death of my parents, at an older age, I really don't know what to expect. I'm supposed to get over this in a day? A couple days? weeks longer I just don't know seems when it comes to a case of PTSD again of which I will fully admit I know nothing about it's something that takes time for whatever scarring needs to heal And I'm just gonna stop talking about what I know nothing about all I can give voice to are my personal thoughts and feelings in this situation I don't know if I've achieved some sort of internal catharsis now with the passage of time and what I went through on the other side of that door with the infinity symbol where whatever needs to be resolved within me, in my heart, mind and soul is getting there. But I've reached some sort of restoration and things are looking better. As for what happened on the world I used to call home, and what is continuing to happen, I still remain in the dark. No messages or contact from anyone. Old co-workers, old friends, and nothing from Dave. For all I know, he's gotten himself completely lost in that new ostium he found. He went through that first door to Roanoke and messed up in some way. Maybe he tripped and hurt himself. (laughs) got stuck there and the door closed forever. The blackness came and swallowed him up like a galactic vacuum cleaner that has no qualms about sucking up every iota of matter and life into oblivion possibly what might have happened to Steve and maybe those military guys I just don't think it's right I haven't heard something I know the internet's having its own connectivity issues and I'm getting nothing coming my way but stuff seems to be okay going out Dave's always managed to find a way somehow to get in touch with me through thick and thin and hell and high water especially with him riding those treacherous Atlantic seas in that tanker He's always managed. And now, there's just silence. I think... I think I might be getting a mild case of ostium fever. Not knowing what's going on elsewhere and how this might be the rest of my life. The rest of our lives. Spending our days traveling through doors, bringing back artifacts, and doing the same thing day after day after day. Ostium threw a monkey wrench into the works with the infinity door to my old place of employment, but since then, after the earthquake repaired itself somehow and put Ostium back together again, just like Humpty Dumpty, it sort of felt like being on autopilot, doing the same thing, with no end in sight. I still don't understand why Ostium is doing what it's doing to me, making us do it. Monica has Steve driving her through every door. Hoping and waiting. Me? I've got nothing. Okay. I think I've depressed you listeners. If you're still out there. Somewhere. Enough. I know I've brought myself down in the dumps, so let's see what's next for us in Ostium. After a hearty breakfast of the last of our leftovers and remaining supplies from our brief foray into the tiny town of Cavalo, that made Ostium look kinda big, and if this is news to you coming out of the blue, it means you missed one of my short recordings from before, we ready ourselves for the next door and what it might have to offer us. This time we're heading up into the unusual grasslands of Ostium. We walk for like 10 minutes deeper and deeper into the green and farther away from the clock tower and those buildings of this town that have become oh so familiar to us. I'm starting to feel like I'm using that why finding app again. If this app doesn't ring any bells you'll also find out all about it in one of my previous short recordings. Except instead of using my phone, this time it's somehow in my head and I'm paying attention to any brain lean, any mental tug, any cranial pole that's bringing us closer to the next door ostium wants us to go through we lead in an easterly direction for a little bit then back to the north then a little northwesterly then back to north again and it's starting to feel like it's never gonna end i can see the boundary wall coming closer and i start to wonder the direction doesn't change anymore and the stone palisade just continues to grow shortly after that we both see the door in the wall And we both know that that's our next destination. A bunch more minutes closing in on the second hour. We reach it. This is it? I nod, just like we thought. There's a door built into the stone wall. It looks solid and metal, like the door you'd imagine to a prison or on the deck of a military ship, an aircraft carrier, something that could be well locked and very hard to open if needed. On the front of this metal door, are stenciled in white, numbers three
1: two five wow
2: we're both shocked i couldn't even remember if the numbers went that high i was pretty sure i had checked the map table thoroughly for numbers on the wall also that we had done a couple tours around the grounds of ostium and never seen anything like this it feels different like the store wasn't here yesterday or possibly even 20 minutes ago when we saw it for the first time (laughs) thank you once again ostium i turned to monica She's ready. I swing it open, and we go through to... A city street. A crossroads, actually. I can see from the signs we're on Main Street and State Street. Well, that narrows it down. This could be just about anywhere in the U.S. From the looks of it, it's definitely not a big city. More in the town range, you know, ostium-sized. And I feel an immediate sense of familiarity. I've been here before. Where? There were a few trips I did with my parents, like Catalina, before all that happened. But I've never been much of a big vacation guy. I don't like to travel far. However, when I do go on trips, I like to make it something awesome, worthwhile, and California has never failed in delivering that. We've got so much variety to entertain us in this state. There's a long drive I like to do a couple times a year, where I head north of San Francisco and then west to the coast when I can, usually through San Rafael, and make my way up to Bodega, enjoy the Pacific Ocean for a bit with a lunch of fish, or what I consider to be the world's best New England clam chowder at Lucas Wharf. Then I drive through Sonoma County, enjoying a period of majestic redwoods and then fields of vineyards sweeping across the hills. I will usually stop at one of the many, many wineries, looking for my well-earned dollars, and then back to Oakland. I've also been up to Fort Bragg on the Mendocino coast, and this is for real, not just when I'm lying to my friends about a place called Ostium, though I guess ultimately it was about a girl, sort of even made a trip all the way up to Eureka just to see what all the fuss was about. Get it? I've been to Southern California a number of times for both work and fun, or a combination of the two. Saw the artistic explosion known as Hearst Castle that's real heavy on the eyes. And once with my most recent ex, we were together for two years and things were starting to get pretty serious before she decided I wasn't the one for her. We made this trip to an old West town, which still had a lot of its original buildings. It was called—oh shit! That's where I am. Where we are? We're in Colombia. I look to the right down State Street as I begin telling Monica the story of Colombia, its history in relation to me. Down there, I can see a sign in the distance that says Columbia, Kate's Tea House. Yep, we're here without a doubt. I had coffee there with Anne. We shared a pastry. A month after this vacation, she ended things abruptly. I started walking down Main Street, Monica following and listening. Columbia is a town located around the middle of the state of California and towards the eastern border in the substantial county of Tuolumne. It was founded in 1850. The same year California became a state, as a boomtown for the exploding gold rush that was causing thousands to flock to the state in search of gold and riches. And not just men looking to mine the yellow metal, but women, children and families. were now heading down the historical Central District. On either side of us parallel rows of buildings, all wooden and quaint and dusty and old, with various fronts advertising their wares within. I'm not going to lie. It definitely has a similar and familiar feel to Ostium. You've got your blacksmiths, or your ironmongers, your candle dipping store, your requisite gold panning store, there are a couple of craft stores that look as if they're selling pretty similar merchandise, but one assumes on the inside their inventory varies somewhat. There's of course the very important candy store, and the Fallon House ice cream parlor, and no Old West town would be complete without your Pioneer Emporium. The farther end of town, behind us, is larger and perhaps more impressive to some Fallon Hotel. A regular, impressive-looking hotel for those seeking the niceties when staying at a place that is not your home will likely prefer. After the Columbia Museum and Brown's Coffee House, ahead of us as we approach it and stop in front is the Gold Rush Town period authentic Columbia City Hotel. If you're looking for the real deal with Victorian style furnishings and decorated rooms, this is where you want to stay. The Columbia City Hotel is a restored 19th century country inn with elegant authentic Victorian antiques in each room, custom crafted wall coverings featuring beautiful lithographs. While they've attempted to keep this and the Fallon Hotel as faithful to 19th century decor as possible, modern conveniences such as indoor plumbing, heating and air conditioning have been added for the comfort of the guests. When I first learned about this place referenced in a travel book, I knew I had to check it out. Ann and I liked going on the occasional trip, and while this was a bit of a drive and somewhat removed from the lavish style she was used to, I eventually convinced her. She wasn't a huge fan. I was way more into it than she was. We ended up staying for a four-day weekend, leaving early Thursday and arriving in the afternoon. It was kind of weird. Should have stretched through to Monday instead, but I had to work that day, had an important deadline due. (laughs) Wow, a deadline. Doesn't that sound like a weird concept to care about now? Yep. Anyway, since we arrived before the actual weekend did, it was totally dead here. Yeah, not as dead as it is right now. Not with the soul here. You know, for ostium reasons. But still, eerily quiet. Nowhere was really open. I had to get the key. No key card, that's for sure. Check and receive all the details from the Fallon Hotel, then drive down to our hotel. Found some parking in the back. The key let us in through the front door in our room. There wasn't a person around to be seen. I try the front door to the Columbia City Hotel and am not surprised to find it unlocked, unlike the last time I was here. We step inside to a welcoming sitting parlor. There's artwork along the walls that looks period-authentic. A bookcase with some old dusty books, though I don't know if they're all authentically 19th century. I see some Twain, Moby Dick, some Poe, a nice selection. On the bottom shelf are board games, some boxes look old and used. Though I'm pretty sure none of them were invented and painted until the 20th century. There's an ancient-looking version of Scrabble, which must be pretty gnarly to play. The parlor looks just like it did the last time, down to the same number of books. Whenever I see a bookcase or a bookshelf just about anywhere, my eyes are automatically drawn to it like a magnet to metal.
1: Gee, I wonder why that is. Not that I blame you. I'm kind of the same.
2: Well, (laughs) combine that with my photographic memory.
1: Don't worry. I haven't forgotten that you got one, or at least mentioned it once or twice, or a couple of hundred times.
2: (laughs) So, it looks pretty much identical to how it did then. But while I was drawn to the books, Anne was pulling on my hand and dragging me upstairs to check out the room. We wanted to make sure the bed uh, was in working order.
1: Uh Uh-huh. I see now why you and Anne had so much in common. must have been her personality. Her magnetism. (laughs)
2: The room was lavishly decorated, just gorgeous, though it only had a half bathroom. There was a shared shower room. Anne wasn't uh, a fan of this, understandably. Still, I swear I told her about it in advance. She remains absolutely certain I didn't.
1: Sounds like a healthy basis for a strong relationship based on good fucking.
2: I, um, (laughs) I've got nothing to say to that.
1: Good to know that sometimes that can happen. And that I have the power to do it.
2: Well, uh, moving on now.
1: Nothing to say for not very fucking long, huh? Um,
2: I repeat, moving on. Let's, uh, let's check out the room upstairs. I, uh, I can feel the artifact is up there someplace. We started walking up the stairs, and at the top, I stop and make Monica stop behind me. In my defense...
1: Oh, this should be real good.
2: There was no one around... No other guests checked into the hotel. If she wanted, she could have walked from our room to the shower completely naked, taken her shower, then returned still naked to our room without being seen by a single other person. Except you. Except Except me.
1: Guessing that didn't make a difference?
2: Nope. Not one fucking bit. Monica steps in front of me and heads down the hallway. It's your standard small hotel hallway so like one of those at the Overlook or any other hotel that gives you the creeps lots of firmly closed doors that could lead to empty rooms or something much worse that's when we hear the ghostly howl just like on the Mary Celeste just great just great it stops Monica in her tracks she looks at me
1: the blackness
2: I can feel it now it's coming but we still got time. Not a ton, but enough.
1: Let's hope so.
2: I'm behind her by the time she reaches the first door on the left. She turns, checks I'm ready, then turns the handle and throws it open. It's a quaint-looking room with impressive artwork, classy furniture, and a double bed with an ornate duvet. Then there's a loud moan. Monica slams the door. We're both breathing pretty heavy.
1: I hope you had enough time to tell whether the artifact was in there or not.
2: I did. It wasn't. All right then. It's at this point I should probably tell her I'm betting the artifact is in the room I stayed in at the end of the hall on the right. Basically the absolute last room we're going to be checking. But I can't be sure. Not 100%. With the way things have been going in Ostium, it probably will be. But with the blackness coming and these weird sounds, I... We can't afford to take the risk. I try the door to the right. Monica at my side. Our hearts are still racing. I open the door and see a very similar room, different artwork and slightly different design of furniture, otherwise the same. This isn't where the artifact is. Then I hear the growing sound of a growl. I don't wait for something else to happen. I slam the door shut. I look at her and I see a similar, bordering on terrified look on her face. Good. It wasn't just me hearing and reacting in that way to it. Next door. Same deal. This time, there's some creepy coughing. Monica doesn't slam the door this time, but closes it slowly, perhaps giving me time to deduce whether the artifact is in there, or perhaps to make sure whatever's making the sound isn't disturbed in any way, catch its attention. Or maybe a little from column A and a little from column B. I handle the next door on the right, more of the same, except for a hissing sound that begins almost immediately and steadily increases in volume. Well, that's enough of that. Door closed, moving on. Third door on the left, another ghostly moan. Still no artifact. Third door on the right, a yell this time. just as creepy. Neither of us wants anything to do with it. The next door is marked shower. Monica opens it slowly. It's a small shower room with one shower. The curtain is closed. There's the sound of water running. I can see the steam billowing up over the top of the shower curtain. Then the water stops. There's just a dripping sound. Then a dragging something. The shower curtain rings rattle and start to open. Monica hanks the door shut, looking at me. There's something weird about it, but it's definitely not where the artifact is. I shake my head. Next. The right door is also marked shower. I open it quickly. Same room. There's no water running in the shower. The curtain is open. There's no one or no thing in the shower stall. That's a relief. I feel something pulling me in, mentally, like the artifact might be in there. But it's different from any feeling I've had before. Sort of sharper, almost painful. I take a few steps into the shower room.
1: Jake, wait!
2: And the door slams in Monica's face. I just watch it, dumbstruck. It closed on its own with such fury She immediately begins hammering on the door, yelling at me.
1: Jake? Jake? Are you okay? Open the door. Try to get it open from your side. Jake!
2: I turn around, my body calm and collected. I'm not sure why. The feeling I'm having doesn't feel malicious in any way. I follow it, feeling it draw me to the window ahead, next to the shower stall. There's a small curtain covering it giving whoever's using the shower a level of privacy. I reach it and draw the curtain aside and can see through the crystal-clear glass. Below is not Columbia, as it should be. It's downtown San Francisco. What? I look up and see across from the office building where I used to work. I can see many windows. On the floor I used to work and through those windows is me? Turning to look out at... I flail back, getting out of the view of the window. I end up falling into the shower stall, bruise myself a little, but nothing serious. The floor of the shower is dry. No one's been using it recently, In this alternate version of Columbia as seen through the eyes and doors of Ostium. Once I know I'm okay, I pull myself up, count to 30, then peek through the bottom right corner of the window, keeping myself as hidden and sheltered as possible. Without a doubt, it's my office building. Well, the Ostium version when Monica and I were there. We're standing looking over the fourth clone of me. And it looks just as creepy from this viewpoint. At this point, I'm learning about the tanker that's run aground along the south coast of Britain. I'm not taking it well, understandably. Then we move on to the fifth simulacrum, where my cubicle used to be, where I'll learn about Catalina and what happened to all its people. I duck back down and crawl toward the door of the shower room. Once I'm far enough away to be seen from the window, I stand up and reach for the door. The banging from Monica has stopped. Maybe she just gave up, waiting for me to do something about it. Or maybe thinking something serious has happened to me and there's nothing she can do. Or perhaps worse, something has happened to her. I pull on the door and it opens with ease. I don't see Monica on the other side, and my heart jumps into my mouth. But then I see her out of the corner of my eye, sitting on the ground, back to the wall, her head in her hands. I drop to my knees in front of her, and I grab her hands, pulling them from her face. Then my hands delicately hold her head, tilting her face up to mine, her eyes to mine. I'm okay, I say. I don't know what happened in there, but I'm okay. I'm safe now. She gives me a nod, and I decide on a bold move, moving in to kiss her. She tilts her head up further, and our lips meet in soft warmth. Another moment that feels an eternity, but isn't. Then she's grabbing my shoulders and pulling herself up to a standing position. We move down to the next door. We're holding hands, doing this together now. We stand in front of the next door, and before she reaches to open it, I say, Not this one. We turn to the right side of the hallway where the next door is. I shake my head. We move on to the next door on the left. On the front of the door, it's marked Night Watch. What the hell does that mean? I swear I've never seen this door, or any other door for that matter, with these words before. I visited Columbia with Anne before the Game of Thrones TV series started, but I'd read the books in the 90s when they came out. I would have totally noticed these two words on a door and freaked out about them. I can also feel the pull of the artifact much stronger here. The room I had stayed in with Anne was directly behind me. I can feel a pull from behind also, but the door marked Night Watch is where it's all at right now. Monica opens the door and I wonder what I'm gonna see. Some sort of barracks type place for the Night's Watch guarding the wall from the wildlife? Or maybe something from that crazy fantasy novel of the same name by the Russian author Sergei Lykinenko? Obviously, it should be the room where one of the hotel attendants stays should someone need help during the night. Like I said, when I stayed here, I wasn't even aware of this particular room, and if it had been here, it probably would have been empty anyway. Now, at this time, I'm sure it's empty. It's the same sized room as all the others, only different. There's no art on the walls. The room is devoid of furniture, except for a bed in the center of the room that looks to be a single The duvet covering it is black. There's no pillow. It's in here. Or at least part of it is.
1: What does that mean?
2: I'm not sure. I feel a strong pull in this room, but also a lesser pull behind me from the room I stayed in with Anne. I step into the room and walk to the bed. There's nothing on it, but I've honed my senses to this spot. In a strange fit of impatience, I rip off the duvet, blankets, and sheets... Then the cover sheet until the mattress is exposed and there it is what looks like a golden c in the center of the bed i reach out and pick it up i immediately think c for columbia right makes sense each end of the sea is jagged like there's another part to this artifact that's missing that should connect to these jagged edges i turn and look across the hallway at the final door Monica has been following everything and knows what's next. The number on that door is, somehow, 325. I swear, truly swear, it wasn't like that just minutes ago. Again, I swear I saw a 10 on the door as I turned to the night watch door and saw an 8. And now it's changed? I can't help but snort as I imagine an image and then proceed to explain it to Monica, who's looking at me in confusion. In my head, I'm... Raising my shaking fist at the ceiling of the hotel, and essentially at the sky, yelling out a long drawn out "ostium." We have a little laugh about it, and then that's when there's a long drawn out howl. We haven't heard one in a while. And how goddamn scary it sounds. It came from across the hallway, from room three twenty five. The room formerly known as 10. Monica looks at me.
1: You can't.
2: I don't have a choice. The blackness is coming. We're quickly running out of time. If I don't find the other part of the artifact, it's all pointless. I can see her working things over in her mind. She's wondering, what if we just use part of the artifact? Would it work the same way? But she doesn't want to find out. Doesn't want to have to try to come back here. And knows if the partial artifact doesn't work, it might sever the connection and end everything, including her chances of ever finding Steve, alive or dead. I walk across the hallway, feeling myself suddenly covered in a sheen of sweat. The moan comes again, and I look for what bravery I have left to confront whatever's on the other side of the door. I grasp the handle, turn and push. The door swings open. I'm not sure how far Monica is behind me. I want her real close for support, possibly for protection and defense, because I'm pretty sure she can kick anyone's and anything's ass. But I also want her far away for her protection, because, you know, that's manly, and if I haven't made it perfectly clear before... Pretty sure I'm in love with Monica. With the door now open, I can see into the room, and it looks like the other rooms, like the room we stayed in. But I step inside, and I see a queen sized bed along one wall with a familiar duvet. The artwork and the furniture are the same. It feels eerily unchanged, almost as if we had never visited, or this is the moment just before we stepped into our hotel room ghostly moan begins then, changes to really quiet voices. I can't quite hear what they're saying, but it sounds like there are two of them. I recognize a particular phrase, one that hits deep because it's something I always say. I realize those voices are us, Anne and I, the sound of our arrival, in mild argument over the place. What the hell? Is time folding over itself? Are Anne and my other self going to start materializing before my eyes? Does that mean Monica and I are going to start dematerializing? I look at the window and can now see the blackness making its way down Main Street, consuming all within its path, swallowing everything. The voices haven't stopped, and if I stand perfectly still, I can just make out a few words... My own are a little easier with my deeper voice. Feels really weird to hear Anne's voice again. But I don't have time. Working on my gut feeling again, I go for the bed, ripping duvet and blankets up. Next it's the sheets, and there on the mattress is the other gold sea. As this is revealed, and the voices of Anne and me disappear, and the ghostly wails begin again. Right. Osteomer. Whatever's running the show here isn't happy. Maybe it's a personification of the blackness? Giving it a voice? I don't waste time, grabbing the gold semicircle and heading out into the hallway. Monica is there and ready.
1: We don't have time to get to the door again, do we?
2: I shake my head and grab her hand. We charge down the hall, the sound of the blackness outside clear and getting louder. What door will lead us back to Ostium? It's not like I ever know. I just get this feeling. Like I do with the artifact. And the blackness. And everything else Ostium likes to keep me informed about. I stop at the door is my shower on either side of us. I go through the one where there was something taking a shower not too long ago. I'm pulling Monica in with me, whether she wants to come or not. The water is off and the shower curtain is still closed. We run to the window, and I immediately notice it's not your usual window. Instead of sliding up or down or swinging open, while it's still made of glass, there's a little glass doorknob on the side. Without hesitation, I turn and push it. In that same magical way, Ostian appears before us on the other side. You first! Monica doesn't question, and knowing it's not a ton of room... Gets a running start and dives through. Damn, she's brave. Gonna have to really brace myself for impact on the other side. I get ready and see movement out of the corner of my eye. There's a hand coming out from behind the shower curtain, reaching for me. Fuck! I yell and then pretty much tumble through the open window. ground is hard and brings me back to earth and reality in a nanosecond. Monica helps me to my feet.
1: That was a wild ride.
2: I don't know. I'm really starting to feel my age. Back at the clock tower and the map table, I take out the two golden C's, one from each pocket. Together it seems painfully obvious. I almost see a well duh sign bubble over my head. I stick the two pieces together and They fuse before my eyes. Now the two C's have become a perfect O. Nice twist there, Ostium. The light this time is a shimmering fuchsia, just as bright and blinding. We make some dinner and choose non-verbally to enjoy it on our own. We each need some solo time, we've somehow decided. Probably after everything that's happened today and over the last few days. I sit there eating a can of warmed-up SpaghettiOs with Franks. Not ideal dinner eating, I know, but I'm starving and it sounded good. It's palatable. And that's when my brain starts doing some deep thinking. It doesn't go so well. I'm thinking about how we've gone through the same cycle again, and it's actually really freaking me out. First there was Roanoke, then the Mary Celeste. That's two places in the past. Then Mars, the future. Then Avalon, a place from my past, my life. Then a bunch of weird shit happened, and it started all over again. The ancient cave in South Africa the Anjacuni village, both from the past, the spaceship and Voyager probes, the future, and now Columbia, from my life, my memories. Does that mean we're going to get a whole load of weird shit again? Is another earthquake going to happen? Another mighty crack in the world that will reveal another hidden door? And on the other side of that, my place of work again? Or somewhere else from my life where I'll find clones of myself or something else to really fuck with my head? What will they reveal? Perhaps that's what I've been dreading over the last four days, that with each door I go through, each time I bring back a trinket, a piece of my world, the one ostium is no longer connected to, is destroyed. Another catastrophic event, another devastating virus, another... Accident that wreaks untold havoc. It's what I felt each time I brought back an artifact and put it on the map table. And what about that hand reaching for me? Was it trying to get me? Was it trying to get the artifact? Was it related to the blackness somehow? A part of it? Is the blackness coming after me? Not to destroy this pocket in time that's been created by Ostium, but to help me. Perhaps save me? from what I was doing, from the death and destruction I've been causing. It's a possibility, in as much as it isn't. (sighs) You notice the particular pronoun I've been using? I've been very specific and clear about using me. I. Because I'm holding myself to blame here. (sighs) All of those deaths are now on me. The more I think about it, the more real it seems. I'm killing all those people. I'm causing all that suffering. <laughs>
1: "'Jake, Jake, look at me. Look at me, please.'
0: This episode was written and produced by Alex C. E. Talander. The voice of Jake is performed by Chris Fletcher. The voice of Monica is performed by Georgia McKenzie. All the music was composed by Chris Fletcher. Graphic design and artwork is done by Sarah Warren. Ostium will continue to be ad-free thanks to our great and wonderful patrons who support the show through our website at ostium.com support or through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast. Why not consider becoming a supporter of our show? For as little as $2 a month, you can get access to exclusive mini-episodes, including something called The Ostium Files. It's a series playing around with the idea of, what if you could go through an Ostium door to the time and place of your choosing? Where would you go? There are also lots of other awards, like episode transcripts with illustrations, music, and special early access to new episodes of Ostium. Plus, if we hit our support goals, you'll get access to Ostium Season 3 that much sooner. And if we hit our top goal, Season 3 will start right after Season 2 without any break. So check it out at patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast. Whatever you can spare will be greatly appreciated and means so much to us. You can also support Ostium by leaving us a review on the podcast listening app of your choice, or simply by telling your friends, or mentioning how much you enjoy this podcast on social media. And of course there's also our merchandise store with a whole variety of goodies like mugs, t-shirts, and even fancy pillowcases all at ostiumpodcast.com/store. Also, if you're looking for a good book to read, Ostium Book 1 Population Zero is out now on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and a fancy full color illustrated edition. This week's podcast recommendation is Rose Drive. Seven friends are interviewed after a 10-year high school reunion tragedy occurs. Welcome to Southampton. Are you listening? This is Marcus Hill. If you're here, you've agreed to help me find Forrest Sutherland. I can't do this alone. Told through a series of interviews and an ongoing investigation, Rose Drive starts out seemingly innocuous, but then you can't help thinking and wondering and trying to put the pieces together in your head. And before you know it, you're anxiously awaiting the next episode. Finally, thanks for listening. Without you, there wouldn't be any point in doing this podcast. So thank you, and see you in two weeks with Episode 16, Ancient Ones.